Welcome to season six of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xdan. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. Two guarantees that we maintain you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 125 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers, Powers of Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Powers of Marketing, focusing on strategic content creation, including podcast and event production, hosting and emceeing. And my lovely friend and co-host is Miss Jen Cole. Hi, Jen. Hello, Megan. How are you? I am having a beautiful day. Wonderful. All right. I can't wait to dig in with our guest on this show was a guest 124 episodes ago. So on on episode one, Miss Jen Herman now joins us for 125. Welcome, Jen. Oh, I love that. That is bananas. (laughs) Right? I remember. I mean, I don't remember, but I remember like recording that. That's so crazy. It's a lifetime ago. Yeah, it's crazy. It was August of seventeen. Wow! Just oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats and, to you for sticking it out and having it go for so long and be successful. That's great, Megan. Thank yeah. you. Thanks so much. Yeah, and we just had Stephanie Garcia on, and her first episode was episode twenty four. We had her on one twenty four, so that was fun too. Oh, to nice. Hundred episodes later, <laughs> <laughs> we have a pattern. <laughs> like, right? It's so cool, though. Oh my Dumb goodness! Luck. It's so much fun <laughs> to catch up, and so much has changed. Like Instagram back in twenty seventeen. I'm sorry. That is like not even the same product. Ago, (laughs) literally. Yeah, I think we try to have you come back to be on 101. Yeah, the other I was trying to we were trying to do it with all three because you were on with Kylene and Kari, but it didn't work out anyway. So, but we're glad to have you here. Thanks for fitting us in your busy schedule. I know it's also spring break for you, right? For the wee one, anyway. (laughs) Quietly tucked away. It's fine. Uh, That is awesome. Okay. For those who don't know, I am going to read Jen's bio. Jen Herman is a social media consultant, speaker, and globally recognized Instagram expert. She's a sought after and international speaker providing tips, resources, and training for organizations of all sizes that need to structure their social media strategies. Her business background includes administration, sales, human resources, and marketing, and she enjoys bringing all of these skills together to help you grow your business. Jen has been featured in Inc., Fox News, BBC News, Yahoo Finance, Entrepreneur, HuffPost, The Verge, CBS Radio LA, and numerous other podcasts and publications. She is the author of Instagram for Dummies, Instagram for Business for Dummies, and The Ultimate Guide to Social media marketing. Woo. And she has a full-time job in addition to having this business and this wonderful human she's raising and all of that kind of good stuff. So obviously someone that to look up to for sure. Oh, all those yeah. All right, Jen. Sure. Let's dig in. This is going to be fun. This is going to be amazing. I'm so excited. So, you know, like we said, we had you back on years ago, first yeah. episode. So it's been a while. What are some things that you have been doing lately at Jen's Trends since you were last with us in 2017? 
gosh. Right? <laughs> that's a big question. There's I'm a like, lot of time. That's like six years ago. That was like, <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. So crazy. Well, I'm still speaking. So obviously COVID changed a lot of the world, obviously, you know, from the speaking side of things. So I had built up the speaking side pre-COVID and was doing so much in terms of travel and opportunities. Obviously that changed and now my daughter is in school and being a single mom and being the primary caregiver, I can't travel like I used to. So the speaking schedules and things like that have changed, but I've moved to doing a lot more online events, you know, uh, training sessions and client things. So that's been really fun kind of experiencing that shift. Also, during all that stage, I launched my membership, Profit Your Profiles. So one of the things people had always asked me for was, when will you do courses? When will you do something dedicated to Instagram? And again, having the full-time job and all these other commitments, it was never something that was practical previously. But membership's been going for over a year and a half now. We have an over 80% retention rate annually. It's been super fun to create that. I bring in a guest expert every month from various industries. We've had a celebrity TV chef. We've had a very prominent entertainment lawyer. We've had the head of uh, social for Microsoft. We've got the San Diego Zoo coming up. So we have all these amazing guests that come in that I get kind of like this for the podcast. Yeah, I get to talk yeah. with them. I get to learn from them, but they get to share with the members and everything. So that's been, you know, kind of my big pivot going away from kind of the speaking stuff and into the membership and online communities. And it's different, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been fun. Yeah, it sounds like it's really cool. A little bit more intimate, too, I'm sure. Like, you kind of get to know the people that you're actually teaching, which there's so much value to that. It really is. I love that. Man, that's all. You've done a lot of things. I wrote all the books. I wrote all those too. That happened. (laughs) I wrote the books uh, on Instagram (laughs) at this point. Yeah, because I think the first one came out, I want to say 2018, maybe. No, no. 2019, maybe. But yeah, we've been cranking out these books and it's been, that's been a very interesting experience because they're all the dummies books, Mm -hmm. which are great. And it, once you get into the system, it's not so bad, but figuring out like they have a very structured environment and how things have to be written and formatted. And, you know, it takes a little getting used to if you're so used to writing for yourself and blogging in the way that we write. Yes. You have to fit it into this format. You're like, you want me to do what now? (laughs) But. That's that was not my voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and co-authoring, you have multiple voices and then that, yeah. you're trying to balance all that. But it's been a really fun experience to figure that out and to be able to say I'm literally a four times dummies author. That's been yeah. really exciting. I've been enjoying that process too. That's huge. And congrats for that too. That's a Thanks. that's a big feat. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I used to buy the dummies books. In fact, it's funny because I just resuscitated. I had a a marketing for dummies and a business plan for dummies books. And I was going to toss the marketing one, but I thought, you know, this is for nothing else for like historical reference for like how things used to be. (laughs) This is, I, so I, I held on to it, but I love that you're not doing, you're not doing one-on-one, you're not one to many, but you're doing one to some, right? Like with your, with your training and that's the the best way to scale. So obviously that's super smart. Yeah. And it has, been like it was one of those I've always done the consulting I've always done the you know individual clients and it was there's only so much of me (laughs) there's only so much time so and I didn't want to do that that massive blast you know my goal is to definitely build the membership up but I love that you know we do it on zoom and you know because it's I have members all around the world and we alternate the times to accommodate different audiences and things like that so there's usually you know no more than 10 people on a live call for our trainings everyone else will catch the replays when it's convenient Mm -hmm. so they are it's 
small and intimate and we get to chat and learn about each person's business and we get to see each other grow and celebrate those wins. So it really does become almost more like a mastermind environment more yeah. so than like a training environment, which has been really fun. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Cause yeah, cause peer to peer is, is huge too. I, I've always, with any training I've ever done, the thing that people always have found the m- most valuable was what they got from the other people who are doing exactly. the same thing yeah. as them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not working in social anymore as a as a business. So I'm not as intimately familiar with all of the changing <laughs> things, but I do still get your newsletter and I Yay. see your posts and I'm like, oh my gosh, and, you know, it's 11 more <laughs> updates, 14 yeah. more <laughs> updates. So obviously Instagram's come up with some cool features over the last several months. So we would love for you to tell us about your favorite new feature that Instagram's highlighting right now and how do you see brands using it? Oh, good question. Because there's so many. <laughs> like you said, there's an average of 10 updates a month. So there's lots of things that they're testing. The big thing they've made a push for this year, and I'm not necessarily in love with it, but I'm embracing it, I guess you could say, is the move to direct messages. Adam Mazzari, the head of Instagram, has come out and said multiple times that they are moving towards more personalized conversations, that they see more and more behavior on the platform where people are sharing things within direct messages more so than sharing to their stories or posting things publicly. They're moving conversations into the private forum, which in a lot of ways is inevitable. That's kind of eventually what happens on most platforms to some extent. So they're moving a lot towards DMs and as a result, putting more features and functionality there. Why I love this is because one of the things they're not changing on Instagram is they're not going to allow links on the feed. You can't have links on reels. You can't have links in the feed. You can only have links in stories or DMs. So the fact that they're putting more of an emphasis on direct messages, I've been working with, you know, my clients, I've been talking about in the membership to work to get that direction of traffic into the DMs. So that when someone is commenting on your post, or if you're going to do a promotion and you're like, hey, grab this free ebook, rather than saying, click the link in my bio, I'm saying reply below with link or shoot me a DM and I'll give you the link. Because if they reply, you can now reply to their comment with a direct message. You don't have to reply with a comment. You can reply with a message. So it's all these different ways to now open up a direct message conversation. And that is so important because it's that one-on-one conversation. That's that peer-to-peer we were literally just talking about. It's not some anonymous click on link in bio and they go over there and they maybe navigate where you wanted them to go. This opens up the conversation and it's literally them opening the door into their inbox for you to have that dialogue and give them that resource. So it's more information for you. You have a better record of who's actually how many people, what their interests are, what industry they are. So it's a better resource for driving that traffic as a market research as well. Yeah. Well, and some people don't want to say the things in the comments that they would might say to you. Yeah. So yeah. it's also an opportunity for you to get more feedback and to move a conversation forward versus just a back and forth and in the yeah. comments. That's so interesting. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited about it. It's, it's definitely a big direction that they're pushing towards. And I think it's something that most businesses still don't realize when it comes to Instagram. They're still like, well, we have to do reels. We have to do reels. And, or, you know, we have to do stories. And it's, yeah. they're thinking about the front end interactions. And I'm over here like, pay attention to the back end interactions. Yeah. Like <laughs> what happens when you post the reel? What happens when you post that story or the feed post, whatever it is, what are you doing with it? And what a lot of people don't realize is 
on Instagram, yes, reels are the thing. Everyone's talking about reels, but reels in general have the lowest conversion rates of any type of content on the platform. So if all you're doing is creating reels, you're not converting. So how can you take that and move that into, you know, send me a DM, like literally put a sticker on your reel that says, want the link? Send us a DM, reply to this, like put that in there so that you can have that opportunity to push those conversions through that conversation. That's so clever. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so clever. I'm just sitting here like, oh, eating this up. This is wonderful. So I guess it, it you know, it's it's gonna start with a hook and then a CTA, you know, just like, but holy moly, they're making moves and leaps and bounds, and they're, you know, just when you think they're doing one thing, they're doing another one. <laughs> it's been a rough year trying to catch up. It's been a fun year because I got to tell you, as a person that creates for the agency that I work for, learning this stuff has been a lot of fun. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've definitely, because Instagram keeps changing their direction, I'm like, well, I guess I'm focusing on this skill. Oh, gosh, never mind. No, I, now we're going to we're going to go back to that. And that's what leads me to my next question is, you know, last year we saw Instagram completely favor reels. Yeah. But now it's been said that they're kind of, going back to showing more of a preference for photography. And why do you think that that is? So, and this is where like, you have to be careful about the headlines that you read. Yeah. (laughs) Reference on anything. So they're not actually putting any preference back on feed post. What they did was they recalibrated the algorithm for equal distribution based on your personal preference. Meaning if you go onto the platform and you like reels, if you watch videos, you're going to see more of those than you're going to see photos. Okay. If you interact positively with more photograph related content, that's what you're going to see more of. Whereas a year ago, yes, they were hard on reels. Like even if you still were interacting with like the photo-based content, they were still going to push reels at you. So it's recalibrated to show you what you want. So some people are seeing a ton of reels, some people aren't. And it really depends on the type of content that you typically interact with. And this was, I mean, obviously there was a ton of campaigns. I mean, I think you know, the power of the Kardashians. I think it was Kylie Jenner that ran the whole make Instagram Instagram again campaign that gained steam. And finally, that was when like Missouri's like, okay, okay, we hear you. We're going to put it back. And so he did. That was when the whole thing came out. And they said, we're going to go back to, you know, yeah. photos and, and going back to what Instagram was. But in the same turn, like literally the next sentence, he said, but we're not going away from video because that is the direction of the consumer use. Like, If people are consuming photos, they'll keep doing it. But when short form content in a video format is working and Mm -hmm. it's working across all platforms, they're not going to stop doing it. So it's just been a recalibration to give each type of content better opportunity depending on how your audience consumes it. So they did go back to like favorite the user experience. It's about the user yes. experience now. That's awesome. I think that that's yeah. I think that that's kind of what they really were getting at. Sorry about yes. the puppies. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Actually, Zoom has greatly changed the audio function now. You can hardly hear background noise anymore. Oh, it's pretty thank amazing. God. <laughs> so oh there it was yeah i heard a little woof <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say because i mean they're still trying to force reels on me but i'm like a weird case because i'm not on there very much and yeah. on the like is there equivalent of the for you or whatever yeah, like the what explore. they think i want to watch yeah. right what i'm finding there though is that the stuff is so old i watch yeah. this video and i'm like wait this is from march why am i being fed this still oh, from March. It, very strange. I think very that strange. too sometimes. 
Yeah. And it depends. It does depend too, right? Like it's again, what they want to do is they want to give you the content that they know you like. So for example, yeah. I am super hyper guilty of all things royal family related. Okay. I am all Me about too. the gossip. Okay. Right. <gasps> yes. But especially things related to Megan and Harry. Well, if they're not in the news, Instagram doesn't have any fresh new content to show me. So some of the stuff mm. that comes up in those suggested posts are literally from January, like three months yeah. ago, because they know that I will interact with that content because I constantly do. And they're like, well, we've got to show her something that she's going to interact <laughs> with. So they'll find these older posts that they're hoping will still kind of, you know, generate some level of engagement. And fun fact... I still, even though I know because I can tell by the post that it's an old post, I still click on it yeah. because I'm telling the algorithm I want to see it. I, that I don't yeah. want them to forget about Harry and Meghan when they do pop up in the news <laughs> next week. <laughs> I want to make sure I see that content. So I'll click on the old stuff just to keep it programmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to train it. Actually, now that you said that, yeah, it's 49er stuff and there's just not been yep. that much news. So it's really old. 49. I get yeah. served puppies, 49ers, and... Yeah, that's pretty much it. Puppies and 49er yeah. stuff. Puppies if so. you ever want to know, like, if you're dating somebody, if you're going to, like, hire somebody to work with, go look at their Explore page on Instagram. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, so, so true. Oh so, gosh, let me just hilarious. see. This is your background check, honestly. Like, just <laughs> not click like, on that Explore tab. When they were doing all these congressional hearings about TikTok recently and like these you know the politicians are up there and they're like well all i'm seeing in that for you page is pornography and da -da -da. right it was like that's the wi algorithm works right like, <laughs> if that's all you and your are seeing you're you literally a lot about you you just called oh yourself out <laughs> that is so funny oh my goodness Ah, okay. So, I mean, clearly the only constant is change in social media. And so I didn't know that Meta had a bonus program for Reels. So if you could explain like what that program is or, or was, and then was. do you, okay. Do you think that this renewed focus on the algorithm is part of the reason why they don't offer the Reels bonus program anymore? So yeah, it was one of these things where, and again, I think we can all agree that most of the time Meta is very reactionary. Meta is no longer, whether it's on Facebook or on Instagram, they're no longer revolutionizing the world, right? They've, they've not created a new fresh idea of their own in probably a decade. At this point, almost everything they do is because someone else comes up with a great idea and they're like, oh, we need to do that too. Yeah. And so obviously Reels meant to combat TikTok. I mean, they took stories to combat Snapchat and they won essentially, but they can't beat TikTok. They, that's been legitimate competition for them. But what happened was all of these creators that used to live on Instagram started leaving and going over to TikTok because they were getting incredibly great views and reach and distribution and engagement and so they started losing creators. So they wanted to find ways to keep creators on the platform. The one thing Meta has an advantage of is a boatload of money and a boatload of resources. So they're like, great, we will pay people to create content. And so yeah. they created various creator programs. One of them became the bonus play program, which anybody could apply for. You didn't have to be a creator. You didn't have to have a certain following. You could create a reel. And when you signed up and were and you activated bonus play, you would get paid based on the distribution of that reel. So you might make $3. You might make $300. You might make $3,000. There was a cap 
but it was, and it was based on a monthly accumulation. So if you did eight reels that month, it would accumulate over all of those reels and you'd get a payout at the end of the month. Some people, this was very valuable. They were making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Personally, I made $36 and like $64. Like, (laughs) and in full disclosure, I still think, I mean, I realize Instagram has a giant, I'm sure a giant, like my face that they throw darts at in their head office. But when I put bonus play on, I I, I keep breaking all these algorithms, putting all these things out there. And they're like, oh my gosh, she went and did it again. So I know they don't really love me, even though you'd think they would appreciate it. But like all my reels, when I had bonus play turned on, we're getting half to a third of the reach that they would normally get. Like a reel yeah. that should have got a 10,000 distribution reached 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, clearly the bonus play is not working for me. It's not monetarily valuable. And I would rather have the reach. I'm not using this to make money as a creator. I'm using this to reach people and get them on my website, into my membership, you know, on my newsletter. So I turned off bonus play after two and a half months because I just was like, it's not working for me. And I think a lot of people, it sounds like Jen had a similar experience yeah. where it just wasn't financially rewarding for enough people. And so they have turned it off. They've turned down the program in exchange for other ways to monetarily reward creators, but they haven't told us what that looks like. And I really, I think it really just does come down to the fact that they were, you know, enough people were getting payouts that they were paying out like all of this money, but it was, there was no advantage when someone's only making $24, they're not going to keep doing reels for $24. Give me 2000. I'll keep producing content. So I think it was just one of those things where they tried. It was, it was an effort to build that up and they just weren't getting the results they wanted. Gotcha. All right. Another thing that came and went and I didn't even know it was a thing. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Okay. Well, it's halftime. Since you were on last, we do a little brain break in the middle. And so it's a seasonal topic. Today, Jen came up with the question, what's your favorite thing about the spring season? Oh, gosh. When it gets to be spring in San Diego, because it's still winter, it's not wearing sweaters and winter jackets. <laughs> For real. Sunshine and warmth again. <laughs> I know. And people think we're I'm such babies. But it shouldn't be 58 degrees on April 13th. It just shouldn't. I'm but, still yeah. literally wearing a winter coat. And I'm like, no, I get it. We're spoiled in San Diego. I get mm-hmm. it. I'm from Canada. I'm allowed to complain. But it's one of those things where, like, literally, if you if you start wearing jackets in November, you're done by February. Yeah. If you start wearing jackets in January, you're done by March. I'm like, right. we started it in November, and it is April, and we're still going strong <laughs> with the winter jackets. I know it. I know over it. it. <laughs> so over it. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That's fair. Jen, what about you? Cool. That's uh, cool. Spring. You know, there's mornings when I'm getting up and I'm driving the kids to school at like 630 in the morning and you step outside and you just, you smell spring. Mm. You just smell spring and it brings back like this nostalgia from growing up and, you yeah. know, other, other chapters of my life. It's a really just, I love this season. I just so happen to next year be getting married during the season. I love the flowers. I love the trees. I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite season. I think I change my favorite season with every season. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just, I love life, <laughs> but I, oh, it's so beautiful. I love the flowers and I love the smells. I don't love the pollen. It tries to kill me. Yeah. The, the yeah. allergies are not. <laughs> That's not fun. But the flowers (laughs) and everything in bloom are great. Yes. (laughs) But see, that for me is the cruel joke of this past week is that 
I feel like spring has not arrived, but I've had an allergy attack all week. Every like, day. Doesn't it has add, been it doesn't legit. Add up. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful right now. It is. The allergies oh. are terrible right now. Not fun. All right. So mine is the crack of the bat. Baseball season. <laughs> yeah. I mean. And that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to a game yet, but they're back in town. Padres are back in town. And so I'm hoping. And they're having a day game tomorrow on a Saturday, which is unusual. Oh. So I think, yeah, usually it's just Sunday. So this weekend we get a day game Saturday and Sunday. And oh I'm not sure why, but I might go tomorrow afternoon and hopefully we'll get some sun. It looks like the haze blew over today, so we can see a little bit of the sky. So hopefully that'll happen tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, Jen, let's kick off half two. Half number two. All right. So I recently watched a reel where you were explaining that Instagram is paying less attention really to hashtags and putting more of an emphasis on SEO and captions. However, I'm also hearing that shorter captions are now preferred. So sometimes shorter captions <laughs> just don't include the keywords. Is is this where hashtags maybe come back into play? Or like, I, I'm really having a rough time grasping the whole thing. <laughs> It's very confusing. So yeah, you're not wrong, but there's clarification. So Instagram still looks at hashtags 100%. They are using it for keyword search for AI scaling in the background to determine what your content is about. So you still want to keep using those 20 to 30 hashtags. You want them for the relevant keywords. Jen's face just went, oh my gosh. Yes, 20 to 30. 20 to 30. Okay, good. Yes. Yes. Keep using them because they are clarifying the content. And they're not just clarifying the content, but they're giving Instagram awareness as to if you're using the right topics in there, what your audience is tying to, right? So if you are a dog walker, you're not, not every hashtag is going to be just related to dogs or dog walking. It's going to be related to community and, Mm -hmm. and local geographic tags or those sorts of things. So you still absolutely want to use them. You just have to realize that because Instagram is now showing other search results. So if someone goes to Instagram and types in search, they're probably going to type in dog walker, not hashtag dog walker. So Instagram is providing a keyword search result where your content is appearing. It's not actually appearing in a hashtag result. So you don't get hashtag metrics showing that you're showing up in as many searches because we don't get a metric on keyword search results. So it looks like hashtag performance is down, but it is actually still helping with all that SEO. On things like reels, yes, you do want to, like on a reel, you literally want one line. Like literally, basically the first line of text is going to be your title of your video, a question, some sort of bold, you know, reason to get them to watch the video. But so on reels, 100%, you still need all 20 to 30 hashtags because that's your clarifying content so that they know, Instagram knows where to put that reel in search. Okay. That makes all the sense. (laughs) I was like, this is so confusing because yeah, there's, I don't know. Like I use my Instagram a lot. It's a blog of my life, literally. Yeah. And so sometimes my captions are paragraphs. I'm like, but they want shorter captions. No, man, come on. Just, this is what I do. (laughs) And and keep doing it. Like I still max out, I'll still max out 2,200 characters on Instagram. And they they are my high performing posts because they're educational, they're value add. They're the ones that get shared. Yeah. But on a reel, you don't want a long caption because no one's going to read that. They're only going to watch the video. But on a feed post, a carousel, 
fill up that caption. There's no need to worry about a limit on those. Just do what you got to do. I love that. That's perfect. Just talking about this just made me think of oh, what Spotify just did is they're trying to be the TikTok in the reels of the music. Did did you see that now they're no. they're auto they're auto you can scroll and they're auto playing music. I had to go in and turn off cuz it's super annoying cuz it it doesn't give you the option for the audio like it'll just play a song wow. or an artist that it thinks you might want to hear based on, you know, your past listening, which is fine, but it was it's like very jarring, you know, when you're not expecting to hear right. audio and you're like, whoa, (laughs) so I turned it off. So with Instagram being your main squeeze outside of your day job, I have a couple questions. So how do you keep up on what's happening with all the other platforms? Because your company is, you know, using other social media platforms. But also I'm curious about, I work for a corporation in tech. They have zero interest in Instagram. Like they're like LinkedIn. I So I'm curious like what you say to that. And I guess it does depend on the industry too, right? Like if you don't really have visuals to go with what you're doing, then it's probably not the place anyway, but maybe it is. I don't know. So tell us about how you keep up on the, on the, all this stuff. And then like, does your company use Instagram? So no, my day job is not. We are a government contract company. We work on military aircraft. I can't get a photo to save my life. So no, we don't have Instagram. Right. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. <laughs> like all my photos are literally like they're eight years old because it was the last time we were able to do a photo shoot because it requires all this base access. And, you know, we have to go through all, all these chains of command to literally get permission to take photos of things. So we do Facebook and we do LinkedIn, you know, and it's, I always say any company, any brand can be on Instagram. That doesn't mean every business should be on Instagram. If you want to be, and if you have the visual content and if your audience is there and it works for you, by all means, I'm like, the TSA is one of the most successful Instagram accounts and it's the freaking TSA. Like how are they, but they do, and they do it really well. So you can, but yes, a lot of companies don't, if they don't have the visual content, if it's not something you want to tell that story visually could you sure but if it's not an interest then it's just not going to work you're trying to you know put a square peg in a round hole yeah mm-hmm. focus on linkedin focus on facebook focus on you know even twitter if i dare say so these days <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's so in for me keeping up on top of it is a couple resources i literally get all the updates from social media today which is a conglomerate you know social media resource they have blog posts that go out like multiple a day with all the latest news. So they're on top of everything. They get embargoed information before things release so that they can release updates. It's kind of the one resource that I go to daily, not daily, but like for updates when all these things are happening. I am in Matt Navarra's Facebook group and he's got, I mean, he's got a WhatsApp channel. He's got his geek out newsletter. He has all those resources and he's, I mean, he's got his pulse on everything. He always knows first. It's bananas. And I think it's because again, everyone knows him. Right. So whenever anyone else gets it, they're feeding it to him, but he's <laughs> built his brand around being the first to know. And so everyone shares so much with him. But yeah, for the most part, you know, in all full disclosure, I am not anywhere near as active on, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn. I'll I'll schedule things out and I definitely have content going up there. But if someone in my Facebook group the other day asked some like super technical question about LinkedIn, I was like, yeah, no, here's I'm tagging three people who know the answer to this because it's not me. <laughs> Yeah, right. The Judy Foxes and the yeah, um, 
Vivica and Kate Payne. And yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, there's, I just can't like, and and that's the thing, right? Like I don't even do paid advertising for Instagram. I literally, if someone has a question, I'm like, Amanda Robinson, Amanda Robinson, Amanda Robinson, like, because I can only know so much. And for me to live so deeply in the world of Instagram, I stay up, I, I see the headlines, I know the big news that are happening across other platforms. But when it comes to tactical stuff, I either work with other people to do it (laughs) or I will have to, you know, work on my, you know, strategy and be like, okay, I know I want to spend more time on LinkedIn this quarter. What am I going to do? And I have to commit that time and resource to it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So you have for years, you've, you've built this robust community of folks that you've, you know, just been kind of collecting. (laughs) And it's been amazing to watch. I was a little social media baby part of your community back in the day. (laughs) And now I'm just in a different part of your community. You know, I'm, (laughs) it's it's a different aspect, but how do you nurture that community and just keep it growing? Cause it's been going for a while. It's impressive. I've been doing this for 10 years. I launched my blog over 10 years ago. I started talking Instagram just about 10 years ago. I think it was probably May or June of 2013 when I started blogging about Instagram. And it really, you know, it's it's funny because there's what we call it the bro marketing tactics or certain the hustle marketing tactics like the Gary Vee tactics. And there's still a lot of mm-hmm. people that live and die by those tactics. And they work in the short run. Absolutely. You punch out a ton of content. You come at people with that big, bold, dynamic personality. And you make those polarizing statements. And you're out there. You're posting five times a day on every platform. And you're doing everything. And you grow your brand really big. But you can't sustain that. And your audience doesn't want that sustained. Yeah. And that's where I think, you know, some people it does work for them. But it does have to evolve at some point. Whereas for me... I've always just been like, hey, here I am. (laughs) I'm going to share with you what I got going on. And sometimes that means I post once a month. Sometimes that means I post three times a week. And through different cycles of my, you know, my career and my experience, I've been super transparent about that, going through having my baby, going through getting divorced, going through taking on 100% custody of my daughter, my daughter going through school, going through COVID, like all these things. I've been super transparent with my audience. And I think that's one of the things that has allowed it to nurture and continue to grow because I've been able to say, like, life isn't perfect. You know, these are things that are going on, or this is why I'm not posting as much on social media because I've been dealing with this. And people are like, okay, cool. Well, you know, sad to hear it, but glad you're back or those sorts of things. So it's been being consistent for 10 years in showing up, being honest, being transparent. And most importantly, having an opinion of my own. That's the one thing I always tell people in this industry or really any industry. If all I'm doing is regurgitating all the headlines, I'm not providing any value. But because I can go in and I start analyzing and I start being like, I totally disagree with Adam. Call him out on it, which I did in a reel. And everyone's like, oh, (laughs) they're they're literally saying this and he's saying this. And he doesn't even know like the right hand's not talking to the left hand. I have no problem (laughs) calling them out. And I think that's, again, people are like, okay, cool. She's not just going to show up and, you know, blow more smoke about what's going on. So that's allowed me to stand apart from some of the other, you know, creators out there. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think you do such a phenomenal job. Like, I think there's so much power to being vulnerable with, you know, with the people that are trusting you and learning from you. And even just, you know, being a friend, you know, because I've been like, we've been friends for a while now. And I, one thing that I just really, really love about you is your vulnerability. And I'm really sorry about Floki, if you can hear him. Um, it's it's, it's something that I just I love and even though I don't get to see you as often as I want to I I know what's going on with you and it's fun to get to participate um, because you are so vulnerable with us thanks and yeah it is one of those things where and I've made a bigger shift that this year as well being because I'm very open and transparent on my personal Facebook, which is my only personal space in the worldwide (laughs) web space where I will actually share things about my daughter. But I've started (laughs) moving more of that to the public, you know, persona as well. And being able to talk about things that are going on and what the struggles of being a single mom or posting more about that aspect of my life and connecting with you know, because the vast majority of my audience are women over the age of 40. And I'm like, hello, (laughs) I am my own avatar. (laughs) So being able to connect with them and share those realities and, you know, the mom struggles and not just everything being like, oh, look at me, life is amazing. It is. I love my life. I love everything that's going on. But there's realities to that as well, that I, if you don't showcase that, you know, people start to look at it like, well, I can't achieve that because her life is perfect. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly how you don't want people that you care about to feel. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, and we had Julia on talking about the anti, anti anti-highlight. Exactly. I love her. I love her philosophy on that. that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. For sure. Okay. So I would love to give some evergreen tips to our listeners. So what are a couple of evergreen tips that you can give for people who want to help grow their brand? So a couple things for sure. One is going to be optimizing your profile. And what a lot of people don't realize is the first time someone comes to your profile on Instagram is probably the only time they're ever going to read your profile. Once they choose to follow you, or if they never come back again, they're not going to read your profile again. Once they're following you, they're going to see your content in the feed. They might navigate to click on a link in bio, but they don't really care what the bio says once they're following you. So it's super important that you format your profile on Instagram for first-time visitors. We want that description to say who you are, what you do, and what's in it for them. We want to humanize the brand. We want to have some sort of value add. That value add could be like, get your free resource, you know, with the link in bio. Or it could be that you, you know, just in looking at all your content, they can see that you offer lots of free tips and, and free tutorials or anything that shows a value add to them that says this is why they want to follow you. And the who you are, what you do, it has to have some sort of personality. This cannot be a long, boring, run-on paragraph of marketing gobbledygook from your corporate office. It's Instagram. It has to be fun. It has to be catchy. It has to be relatable. So you want to make sure that you have that. I highly recommend having somebody else write it for you. We are our own worst enemies at writing our own bios, especially in 150 characters. So work with your colleagues, work with your friends, work with your customers, ask them for what are some of your, you know, the words that they would use to describe your brand or what do you, you know, what are you known for? What, how would they describe you? And then kind of grab some of those and grab three or four to make those the bullet points that go into your profile bio so that a first time visit visitor has that kind of unified approach to who you are and what you do. Also, you have to keep test, 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 testing. There's so many updates on Instagram that literally what worked a month ago may not work today. Yeah. And we 
right? We've seen so many shifts in this post-COVID stage where, you know, so basically we had a huge spike in consumers and a huge spike in creators during the pandemic. But what happened was the consumers went down and the creators are still creating just as much content. So there's a saturation of content and not Mm -hmm. enough eyeballs. So what worked two years ago doesn't work today because it's a different demographic of audience. So you have to keep testing. If someone says, you got to do stories, great, try them. But if they don't work for you, that's okay too. You don't have to do them just because somebody said do it. So keep testing. I always say a test is four to six weeks of consistent action. Meaning if you're going to test reels, it doesn't mean you do one reel and go, nope, didn't work for me. (laughs) You have to do one reel every week for four to six weeks to see if it works. You have to give the algorithm time. You have to give your audience time to consume that content. And if you do that, you'll start to figure out what works for you so that no matter what any expert anywhere in the world tells you to do on Instagram, you can actually find what is working based on your metrics, based on your audience and what's actually driving results for you. All amazing tips. Beautiful. Thank you. So we have one final question that we love to ask all of our guests, and that is, do you have a certain business book that you love and are passionate about that you would recommend for our listeners to check out themselves? That's a good question. (laughs) I don't read a lot of business books. I read a lot of business blogs. I don't read a lot of business books. (laughs) Yeah, well, here, I'm going to grab this one because it's right here beside me, literally right here beside me. I will share this one, which is from Brooke Sellis, Conversations That Connect. Nice. Uh, She had this book. It's relatively new, and it is a great book that goes through building relationships. And she's big on the relationship marketing aspect. And so she wrote this book and she put a ton of effort into it. It's a wonderful book that talks about how, again, like like moving things to the direct messages, having those one-on-one conversations versus just massively, you know, you know broadcasting your message to the world and hoping it's going to work. She talks a lot about how to build those relationships and those one-on-one conversations that lead to bigger and better sales in the long run. So that's been a really fun book. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like something we definitely need to check out. Well, and I think we've talked about having her on as a guest in the past. I think we have. We have not not done that, gone down that road. So that's that's a good little spark. Right. Yes. Have her come on and talk about the book because she's great. She's so fun. I mean, she could talk about anything marketing wise, but yeah, Yeah. for sure. (laughs) People, authors always want to talk about their books. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, my gens. This has been <laughs> such a fun conversation. So wonderful, Ms. Herman, to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us 124 episodes later. I, I'm so glad I, you know, that the schedule worked out that I could pop in and yeah. that we could do this. It's it was great to see both of you and have a nice little conversation. 100 percent All right. And Ms. Cole, thanks yes. as always. Oh, thank you, Megan. It's it's always so much fun, such a highlight to my week to get to do these. All right. And keeping her puppies in check. (laughs) They are on one today. (laughs) They are ready for the weekend. Yeah, they are. (laughs) All right, y'all. If you enjoyed this episode or any that came before it, we would love if you would share it with someone you think would gain value from it. And if you are so inclined to rate and review the show, we would appreciate that as well. All right. This has been episode 125 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time.